Hello, you're listening to Skipton Town Hall's Rural Culture Podcast. I'm Jane Rice Bowen. I'm a consultant, a lecturer and a creative producer. I work across the UK with a raft of arts and heritage organisations, but I live here in beautiful Skipton, gateway to the Yorkshire Dales. With our historic castle, busy market and magnificently restored town hall, it might seem like a perfect place to live and work. But for those of us committed to working in the cultural and creative industries, it's a bit more complicated than it might first appear. Craven, which is our local authority, is the eighth least populated district in England. When it comes to population density, there are less than 44 of us per square mile, compared with an average of 245 people per square mile in the rest of the UK. So we've got lots of space, but also some real challenges that come with living rurally. Issues around transport, digital connectivity and social isolation, to name but a few. We've also got an ageing population. Only 17% of people here are in the 16 to 34 year old age bracket, compared with 26% across the UK. In this series of podcasts, I'm going to be talking to music makers, storytellers, theatre practitioners, dancers, visual artists and venue managers who are dedicated to ensuring that culture and creativity thrives in this rural corner of North Yorkshire. Today I'm in Skipton Town Hall, which has recently reopened following a two-year restoration project that cost £4.7 million. The Town Hall is a cultural hub for Craven and houses a museum, an exhibition hall and a very grand concert hall where I'm meeting my podcast guest for today, Ben Crick. Ben founded Skipton Building Society Camerata in 2004. It's the only professional orchestra in North Yorkshire and it's resident here in Skipton Town Hall. Welcome, Ben. Good morning. Hello. How are we doing? I'm very well. How are you? Good. Not too bad at all, Tar. Um, ben, could you tell me a little bit about uh, Skipton Building Society Camerata, so where you work and what you do? Yeah, so Skipton Building Society Camerata, like I say, was started in 2004. And the aim, well, the aim always was to present national level classical music in areas of limited or nil provision. And we've gone f- from, from, from extremes. It started off in 2005 by me translating a couple of Mozart operas and reducing them, and we did them in pubs, and we, and we toured them around a few pubs, and that, and that got a lot of interest, and people were into that. So we've, we've done the wacky stuff. We've done symphonies in Leeds train station, uh, gigs in shopping centres. But then we're also about doing fairly un- uncompromising and certainly unabridged classical music in proper venues. So like this town hall, we'll do a Beethoven symphony, and there's no, there's no dumbing down of it. It's a Beethoven symphony. So it's that presenting what I believe is, is the greatest art form that mankind's ever created to a national level in rural areas. So why is it important, this idea of the national level in rural areas, then? I think there's, we, there's a problem sometimes, certainly not all the time, in rural arts. That by saying rural arts, there's some idea that that should lessen or reduce the artistic offering. And I'm, I'm always really, really keen to get away from this. I don't want to see a Mozart symphony with half the players missing to make it cheap. So we're going to reduce the players. I don't want to see a play where the cast is reduced to hardly anybody. I want to see art as the creators imagined it. Because that, if we do that, these creators of the great works of art, whoever they are throughout history, um, had a vision, made it, and then that vision should be offered to an audience as they saw it. And that's its... 
that's its best chance, that work, of engaging that audience, moving that audience, and communicating to that audience. The minute we chip away at it, usually for financial means, we reduce the impact on the audience, and then that's not fair. If then rural audiences get that lesser offering, that's not right. Our job should be to present the art as it was conceived to an audience that happens to not live in a town. But that can be quite challenging in rural areas, can't it? It can be incredibly challenging, and, and it does come back to your financial model. Um, we're very fortunate in the orchestra that Skipton Building Society do offer... They offer funding, but what is vital, they offer unrestricted funding. So we, can do, we get that money and we can run with it as our artistic product needs, I suppose is the word. And it can be very, very difficult, because if we're doing a Beethoven symphony here, we'll do it with 35 players, say. Now, that's probably not dissimilar to what Beethoven himself would have had. Now, in, in modern symphony orchestras, we quite often heard it done with 60 players, which is great, but that's not probably what Beethoven heard. So we'll turn up with 35 players who have to travel quite a long way to get here. Um, there's a cost to that. There's a rehearsal time cost to that before you get into an audience. So yeah, so it's about creating those funding models that, that support the art you want, but the decision is made by the art. You don't look at what you've got money-wise and then go, right, I can make, I can shoehorn this piece into this structure, I can afford that. You look at the art you want to make and then you find the money to make that art. And if you can't find the money, you do something different. You don't, you don't reduce that offering, you just rethink. That, that's how we've done it. So you must have been pretty uncompromising then. There must be lots of stuff that you've decided not to do over the years. Yeah, yeah. The, we, there is, there is there's a massive trunk of the, of the repertoire that we can't do. Um, basically, between 1825 and 1910, there's this whole world lump of music that we don't touch. We will never do Brahms. We'll never do Mahler. We'll never... Not much Schumann. There's this whole chunk of of romantic music that we can't do because we can't afford to put 70 players and there isn't the space in most of the rules then so yeah so the artistic program is absolutely selected on what can we do to our highest ability without compromising that art and you said you've got you know 35 players in the orchestra and that they're, they're, they're traveling where are they from then are they all over from the place. okay all over the place is, is the answer um a lot of them do live in the cities, because if you're... What we want is we want people to make a full-time living from playing their instrument. They, they make, that's their job. So if you're going to do that, there isn't enough work in Skipton to sustain a full-time violin player. There isn't. If you're going to play for the Halley Orchestra, Opera North, for the BBC Phil, and our players are those players, they're on the extra list for these big national orchestras, you're going to have to live somewhere where you can get into Manchester reasonably quickly and get into Leeds reasonably quickly. So they, they do come from all over the north of England, is what I'd say. The dream, if, if, I could, if, money, if I could raise the money, would be to raise the money to have salaried players in Skipton. That'd be, and then they'd, they'd be delighted to move here. Well, they, they, they love coming up here. So if we could offer them the employment they needed to sustain a life, that's the dream, but you're in millions. You're in literally millions. And what about um, your audiences then, and the audiences that you've got coming to your events and activities? How do you attract them? It's a funny one, because there is a classical musical audience in Skipton. There, there, there is. It's um, 
the type of demographic Skipton as a whole that, that has and will support it. So we've got a mailing list, um, we stick posters up, and we say, so the traditional stuff, there's a mailing list, there's posters, there's flyers. We've got a social media presence that we go for, although I'm not convinced our audience, that I know for a fact, that the social media impact on our audience is, is limited because in general they're a bit older and they don't tend to interact with social media that much. So that's our core audience. We're constantly trying to get new audiences and we'll go into the schools. Like I said, we've done operas in pubs, we've played in train stations. We try to take our work to where people will see us, where they can't miss us, basically. We're just, hello, it's us. So we try to take our work out, hopefully they see our work, they think it's great, and then they'll come to the concert hall. But our audience is predominantly a bit older, but there's constant striving to find a new audience. So with that older audience then, would you say that the traditional marketing materials, the posters, the flyers, the season brochures, the word of mouth, is that, is that the sort of bread and butter of it? That's the bread and butter. Word, you can't beat word of mouth. You can't beat somebody telling their friend over a cup of coffee that you were great. No, no, nothing is as good as that. So that's, I'm sure that what it is, we've, we've done various surveys to find this information out and that, that is where most of our audience come from. Um, we yeah, want to engage a new audience, but also I'm really, I'm really, people are always stretching out for a new audience. I'm really grateful to our core audience that turn up every time. So, so, so my focus when I'm programming is right. We've got this core audience. What do they want? Let's 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 not get snooty about constantly trying to stretch our audience or give them something they don't want. What is your core audience? What do they like? Make sure there's a bit of that in your programme, because you owe them. They support you. They're your core audience. Don't take them for granted. So when you do an event here, what's your kind of audience numbers? 250. We've, we've sold out. If we do, if we do Vaughan Williams' The Lark Ascending, if we do something popular, popular mainstream work, we'll sell out, and we'll sell out at about 250. Um, if I give everyone a Schoenberg season, which I like, but that we might be down, we might be down to one fifty at that. I've got, I've got things that I like, but yeah, if we do a mainstream with the Messiah by hand, we'll sell out, and we'll sell out about two hundred and fifty. And can you literally sort of turn around and look at the audience and recognise them then? Half, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah half I can, I can, yeah. And do people come and talk to you and engage with you yeah. if you're out and about in Skipton and they yeah. sort of you know see you on the street? Do they have a chat? Yeah, they do. Um, they, do they do come and tell me what they reckon. Yeah, so it's always. <laughs> So it's always good to hear. Immediate yeah, feedback. Yeah, yeah, immediate feedback. <laughs> and I do talk to the audience when I'm, when I'm doing gigs. I do come in and I don't like, I don't like standing on ceremony. So um, if I come in, there'll be the orchestra and I'll come in and they'll clap and I'll bow and then I will chat for 90 seconds about the piece. So I want those barriers broken down. So I think by doing that and hanging around at end at concert, there's a feeling, they feel like they can come and talk to us and the players as well and, and they can. It's just... The normal humans are good at playing the flute. They're not, they're not, yes, all these yeah, people yeah. are. So yeah, come chat. And um, on your website, there's a there's a fantastic recording of a piece that you did with some young voices, Warriors of the Rainbow. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that and how that kind of connected, perhaps with new audiences or your existing audience? Yeah, it's a, that's an example of the education outreach we do. So what happened on that is we sent musicians into um, some Skipton schools and they worked with the kids for a few weeks, creating music and discussing things. And then we'd got a composer called Tim Brooks to write a piece called Warriors of the Rainbow. And what it was, was 
settings of um, Native American w words. I mean, it's, it's a spoken history, isn't it? So not written down. So, so folklore, I suppose, what you'd call about envi environmental concerns and environmental worries. And they set them to music, and the kids came up with some of their own ideas. He put it to a piece. It was a several weeks workshop process, and it, it culminated in a performance in the town hall with full professional orchestra and the kids singing with it. Great for audience development because the kids are there, the kids' parents are there, and a lot of them perhaps don't go in Marla 5 every week. But they came and had a listen, and it's so, imp it's so important to do that so the kids don't feel classical music is alien to them. Um, it's also important to do stuff on the environment, on matters of equality, of, of things of, of political and social importance now, because classical music through history has always spoke about these things. If you look at, well, top of my head, so in, in 1786, Mozart writes The Marriage of Figaro, and the Beaumarchais play, um, The Marriage of Figaro, has been banned as essentially sedition, as um, something that slays the aristocracy and talks about the rise of the populace. So the play is banned. Mozart turns it into an opera. His librettist Lorenzo de Ponte um, softens the political edges and it gets past the censors as an opera, but there's still plenty in that that is, that is anti the aristocracy. So that transforms, or that, no, no, it doesn't transform. That records and holds a mirror to society where it is there. So we, as artists and creatives now, need to be doing the same thing. The environment is a big thing, and it needs addressing. And we ain't going to change the world. We're not going to stop BP and Shell. But we can hold a mirror up to the people that are listening, saying, look, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. And, and that art is a way that, that you can engage in that process. And it's really important we do that. So following on from that idea that um, the art uh, can speak politically and, and, and have ideas within it, what about diversity and inclusivity and what that means within this context and, and what you're doing? It's so important going forward that we're part of that discussion. And I'm the first to say there's a lot to learn. I want to learn. I want to find out as much as I can. I think diversity... There's, there's, of course, there's, there's, there's the, the BAME diversity, but there's also a, a money diversity, a working class, middle class diversity that I want to be part of. I've always, I've always tried to be approachable. I don't come from a load of money like a lot of people do in our industry. And I want, I want people who wouldn't see it as a viable career option to see that from wherever you come from, you can have this career from whatever background you are this is a career open to you, and I want to be involved in the conversation. We as an orchestra want to be involved in the conversation. Want to learn and contribute to that as, as much as we can, be whatever your ethnicity, your religious thing, your, your class, as, which is still a big thing in this country, is music and classical music sh should be open to you. It's a, it's a big topic, but it's something we want to be involved in. Do you think that people are sometimes a little bit surprised when you open your mouth and you don't yeah. have a particularly posh accent? Yeah, I think they think I'm here to deliver coal or mend the roof. I think that, <laughs> I think that is the, the, the posh of the places I go, particularly in good old London, I think that is the consensus, that I don't sound like a classical musician should, in inverted commas, but, but I love it, and, and put me in London, I'll sound even more northern. Do you? Do you do yeah, that thing where you ramp up yeah, the yeah, northern? I love it, I love it, yeah, Brilliant. I absolutely do, yeah. 
So what happened when the world closed down and the pandemic struck? We didn't do all. <laughs> that's, that's what did you, literally, did you, did you just have... For the first six months, we did nothing, and then we started having a look around and thought, we'd better do something here. Mm. So what we did do is um, we put an appeal out for stories of the pandemic from our community, people sent in stories of what the pandemic was to them. And then we got a playwright called Kamal Khan, a Bradford-based lad, to um, turn them into librettos, I suppose you'd see. And then we commissioned six composers to write music that went under this libretto, booked uh, a mini little chamber orchestra and an uh, actor and an actress to come in and read the stories over the music and did a recording, these five, it's called Lockdown Diaries. And there were five... Um, yeah, stories of the lockdown sent in from our community, turned into librettos by Kamal, and then set to music, and we record them on our, they're on our website, you can have a listen. Um, five takes of the lockdown turned into 10-minute little, like talking head monologues of music, um, recorded them and got them out. And then we did some more videos. We did um, a Mozart Bassett Horn trio at Skipton Castle, recorded that. We did some bark cello suites in Christchurch, skipped and recorded that, just to keep our presence there. We did, I wrote a piece of music called The Bar Tap Variations with Ian McMillan. So Ian McMillan, I'm from Barnes, I've written a poem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy, I like Ian. Wrote these, um, The Bar Tap Variations, about why this guy went out without his hat on Ilkley Moor. And I set them to music and we, and we recorded them and again there on our website. So for 18 months, we became a recording orchestra. And then as it opens up, we come back and we're, and we're back in the concert hall. And, and did you get a decent amount of views for the recordings? Yeah, a couple of thousand, a few thousand. Yeah. yeah, we're not, it ain't Taylor Swift. But, but yeah, we got, we, got, we got a few thousand views. And what's interesting is we, the views are still ticking up. Yeah. So even though we're back in the concert hall, people are still doing, are still coming to the website to, to see what we're doing. So do you think you'll continue to be a recording orchestra and um, create recorded work that you'll, you'll put out there? I think to some extent you can't not be these days. I think it's so easy. Back, even when I started recording with a big event and people would turn up with truckloads of kit and they'd set it all up and, it was a, and everyone had been booked for weeks. But now with technology, and I think the social media is vital to this, people expect stuff to be recorded, people expect to hear you play. And we were recording yesterday for some music I've composed, for some podcasts about mindfulness and stuff like that, and that's a recording project. And I think, I think the boundaries between we're recording and we're performing live are getting ever blurred. I think you can't, everything you do, people expect a record of it these days. You can't, so I think, yeah, I think we will constantly be recording what we do going forward. So, Ben, what do you think your best piece of advice would be that you'd give to somebody who wanted to come and work in a rural context within the arts and creative industries? I'd say don't over-obsess about the word rural, but over-obsess about the word arts. It's about your art. And, and be clear what you want to make. Why are you doing it? So you're not in it for money, because you can make a lot more money doing something else. Um, you, should, you shouldn't be in it for your own sort of like, oh, look at me, I'm an artist. What, what is the art you are making that, that you want to, want to create? And why would anyone, forget that lived in middle of London, or why would people want to see your art? And if you can create that art 
whether you're in the middle of London or the middle of Yorkshire Dales, people will want to see it and you're, you're contributing to a national artistic debate. You just happen to live, as I do, in a rural environment. That's what I'd say. And so if we did want to come along and see you perform, your orchestra perform, how would we find out about that? Website. Simple as skippedincamerata.com. And top of my head, I think we're... June, we're back in the town hall. But really, the website's a better authority than me on that. Well, we will have a look at the website. Thank you very much, Ben. It's been brilliant talking to you today. And uh, good luck with all your endeavours going forward. Cheers for your time. Much appreciated.